Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. The doctor, Rashi Batar, is in. The question is, does he have a bad attitude today like I do? Or is he just here to just uh, lighten the load and, and, and spread the vitamin L? Dr. Batar, welcome, my friend. Robert, I always have a great attitude. I am Mr. Attitude. <laughs> you, you do. People tell me all the time, that Dr. Batar, he has some attitude. <laughs> well, listen. No, I think that actually does, based upon... The preliminary review that we just had right a couple minutes ago about what we're going to cover today's show, I think that it is time to have an attitude about some of this stuff. Yeah, no, this is this deserves some attitude, really. Uh, Suzanne Humphreys is a friend of the show. We've had her on before. She's got a phenomenal uh, new book, if you haven't read it, called uh, Dissolving Illusions, Disease, Vaccines, and the Forgotten History. Uh, she's right now in New Zealand, from what I understand. We're working to get her on. I almost had her on for tonight, but it's tomorrow already there. But th- there's this uh, vaccine impact that published this article, Dr. Susan Humphreys, MD, vaccine strain of measles virus found in measles outbreaks. And, you know, we've been saying and questioning the official story, as we always do, about the whole Disneyland outbreak. How do they know definitively it was caused by an unvaccinated individual, much less that the unvaccinated were the ones spreading it? I mean, there, there are some serious questions here, Dr. Batar. Yeah, I totally agree, and it's interesting that it's automatically assumed that it's an unvaccinated child that's carrying it, but I think that this article that Dr. Humphreys discusses regarding the three different studies now that have been done, where the last one that was done somewhere in Europe, was it Croatia, was it? Yeah, I think there was a Croatian study listed here. Right, that that the researchers were surprised to find that the... um, individual that had this measles outbreak had actually had a history of being vaccinated for the measles vaccine only a few weeks prior and showed up positive for the specific strain of measles, not the wild type, but the specific strain of measles that was, I think it's called the Schwartz strain or whatever it was for the vaccine, specific to the vaccine, meaning the only way that the person could have acquired those measles based upon that title that was done, was from the actual vaccine itself, which is something that, in her review, she said that the researchers were surprised to have found that. Well, here's the thing. This is not an isolated study. There are other studies that have been done, and she actually references a couple of them, where cases of an individual acquiring measles from the attenuated virus that was injected into them as part of the, part of the vaccine. And this is actually right. not just isolated to measles. This is actually true with many different types of vaccinations where the attenuated virus, and it, by the way, maybe we should clarify what attenuated means. Yeah, absolutely, because, it, yeah, it, I, we don't want to assume anything. And by the way, this gives new meaning to the, the, the term or the phrase, the, may the Schwartz be with you. Are you familiar with that phrase, that may the Schwartz be with you? <laughs> yes, yes. You I do remember, remember that. Remember Mel Brooks, Spaceballs? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who I knew that. years later that would be something that could be quite dangerous? Exactly. Uh, but it, but it, I apologize. I had to. But the attenuated virus scenario, this is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a virus that is not 
super Superman ready to go and, and replicate, but a little bit viable. They're trying to say we've weakened it enough so that we can introduce it to you, and it's not likely it'll take hold and replicate. Exactly. An attenuated virus is exactly that. They've pretty much brought it, rendered it um, supposedly non-virulent anymore, but it's enough that the DNA material or the, or the, or the uh, adduct material is sufficient to mount the allergenistic the allergenicity aspect that we want in a vaccination, yet it's not supposed to be um, detrimental to the individual. However, it is still an attenuated virus. I mean, we don't really know to the level that they took it down to. You know, you may think that it's almost dead, but then it resurrects. You know, maybe it got some holy water or something in it. Well, it, it becomes what? functional also in the terrain it's given. Could it be that some of these children, much less adults that are vaccinated, that are in a weakened state, that would allow it somehow to activate, reactivate, and then suddenly function as if it were a, a regular wild measles uh, 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 strain, even though it's not that because they're identifying this specific form. Well, that's exactly right, Robert. But here's my contention has always been somewhat different. Here's my issue. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give an attenuated virus, which is fine. I mean, it makes sense. If you're going to give somebody something that's going to create that allergenicity component so that the body now sees it in a in a state of, hypervigilance, if you will, and so that now the body responds in the hypervigilance state by creating the antibodies so that, God forbid, if you are truly exposed later on in life to something where it's not non, uh, where it's not attenuated, where it's actually full-blown, then the body has the ability to, because it has a memory now, it has the ability to mount that immune response that it needs. Well, that, I, that all makes sense. That's exactly how it should work. So I don't really even have an issue, issue so much with the attenuated virus aspect. What I have an issue with that if you're giving somebody an attenuated virus with the thought of increasing the immune response, mm-hmm. then why give it in conjunction with material that is, by definition, immunosuppressive, i.e. <laughs> aluminum, nickel, formaldehyde, mercury, etc., etc. It makes no sense. If, you, if the whole premise here is that mm-hmm. we're going to give somebody something to increase their immune response, then let's look at logic. Give it with something that's going to increase the immune response, not decrease the immune response, and let's give it to an immune system that is intact and able to actually do it, i.e. after the first two, Respond three, four, six months of life, as opposed yeah. to the first day on the planet when the immune system is still dependent on all species on the mother's milk. You know, there's certain species that if they don't get colostrum in the first 24 to 36 hours, they're going to die. Right. No, like you, yeah. so, I'm sorry? Yeah, I was just going to say, remind everybody that you also raise animals, many animals, and you've witnessed this, and you know this to be factual. Of course, in the veterinary journals, they know it as well. You're not just exaggerating for effect. This is a real issue, and as you, I think you were about to say that humans are weird because we're the only species that somehow survives, even if we don't get that initial colostrum. That's exactly right. As far as I know, we're the only species, and I can tell you that if you can get colostrum, you can get them, even if it's not the same species colostrum, even if like what we'll do with some of our cows, we'll actually take the colostrum off them and breathe it just in case for some of the other animals in case the mother isn't able to make sufficient milk the first 24 to 36 hours. But that initial colostrum, if they don't get that, I don't care what you do, the animal is going to die. And, and the vets will tell you, there's no point even trying to save the animal because it's, it's not going to make it. They need to get that colostrum in the first 24 to 36 hours. Once that window has passed and they actually get the colostrum and, and they, they survive that, first 24 to 36 hours, <laughs> virtually, um, they can pretty much pull through anything. 
You yeah. know what I mean? It's, well, it's extraordinary that, it, you know, innate immunity, the immunity from mom, if you will, the maternal antibodies, et cetera, and all of these things about the immune system seemingly so complex and beautiful, yet so violated in the first two years of life by uh, arrogant medical man. And in this case, we talk about an attenuated virus that they throw in the measles, the MMR, and then they throw in all these other ad- adjuncts, if you will, some to preserve the thing, some probably to keep the virus in an attenuated state, some things also to hyper-aggravate, if you will, like aluminum and other adjuncts that are adjuvants, they say, that are designed to maybe trigger a hyperimmune response so they can hopefully take that antigen and convert it to an antibody. But all of these things disrupt the normal flow of how they would normally interact with these things in the real world. They are messing with a system that was designed by the infinite, all-wise creator, and they're mucking around with it in a way that absolutely defies any semblance of logic, to me at least. Yeah. Because if you want to give an individual an attenuated virus with the thought of increasing the immune system and then give it at a time, you know, they can use these excuses and say, well, we we're using the adjuvants to increase the uh, allergenicity aspect to create the hyperimmune response, something that's going to elicit that greater uh, cascade. But, but then if that's true, if that's truly what you want to do, then why would you give it on the first day of life? Because they can't. You can take a, a bazooka and shoot that immune system. It's not going to do anything because it's incapable of doing what they're expecting to do. It's all based upon the maternal um, uh, IgM antibody. It's all IgM-based immune system at that point. It's not, it's not the individual's immune system. It's not the baby's, the infant's immune system. See, Robert, here's the other thing that really gets me, and, and mm-hmm. this is something that, I have no idea why, but if you look at the the, the human species compared this to mm-hmm. compared the humans to any other species, you know we're the only animal that drinks milk cross species, right? And there's no problem with that. People always I've heard people say, "Oh, well, the humans shouldn't drink cow's milk." There's no problem with drinking cow's milk. It's not the cow's milk that's any problem. It's what we do to the cow's milk that's the problem. And what we feed the cows is the problem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What we inject the cows with, etc. Uh, the, the issue that I have is that if, the, if you look at the human system, the human system is able to tolerate so much more. We just talked about colostrum, for example. Humans don't need to uh, consume that colostrum and they can still survive. So we, as a species, have pretty much defied everything. We've taken over the planet. We have uh, defied all, others, all the other species that are confined or constrained by these things like colostrum. We've overcome all these things, and yet... You're telling me that we have evolved throughout the ages and been able to do all this stuff, but now all of a sudden, in the last 20, 30 years on, on man's uh, you know, historical existence on this planet for at least 10,000 years, depending on whether you believe in um, you know, Adam and Eve created everything or whether you believe in the evolutionary path, which is you know, tens of millions of years ago, regardless of whichever one, at the very least 10 million year, or 10,000 years we've been on this planet, and of course, I believe it's more like 10 million years or 50 million years or whatever. But the point is, how could in the last 20 or 30 or 40 years suddenly make it necessary that we must get these vaccines or we're going to end up having problems? Right. Well, and, and more than that, they're, they're, they keep adding more. And then they keep, uh, uh, let's say, how do they do? They go to the CDC and beg the CDC to be put on the official childhood list because at that point, then they're entered into the absolved of all responsibility for 
harm that they cause, including death. It's very interesting that each new one suddenly becomes the one we have to be on, and we wonder, how was it that we were never on it before and we're still here? Asking the questions that are much too pertinent, much too on the point, Dr. Batar. Yeah, well, I guess um, I guess if there is an award for asking questions that uh, irritates the hell out of the opposition, then I guess uh, you and I and Don we, get we, that. We get the prize. All right. Woo! All right, stick around. we got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's Advanced Medicine. Remember, if you miss an episode with Dr. Batar, easiest way to get it, medicalrewind.com. Also available through our syndicator GCN, of course, and Natural News Radio, Epic Times, all around the world. And we're going to come back, talk more about the measles MMR controversy. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. I know you wanted him to talk about it, and he is. Dr. Rasha Batar is talking about the measles, Disneyland. I would almost, you know, I hesitate, but I don't, to call it a false flag event. I'm not saying that people aren't suffering from some kind of eruptive disease, but is it because of non-vaccinated individuals? And is it really a crisis that has people going just bonkers over removing exemptions from everybody? Because 120 people in a nation of 320 plus million, uh, there's some cases of measles. And then again, what about the diagnoses of autism or children into the autism spectrum? 120 a year? Are you talking, are you nuts? How, I mean, what did somebody from, was it, one of the major institutions predicted that one in two, half of all children by 2025 will be diagnosed somewhere in the autism spectrum. And you're telling me the measles outbreak in this way is is even a, a blip on the radar screen? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, again, it defies all logic. It's phosphorus uh, there. They're scaring people, the fear-mongering that goes on, and, of course, the downplaying of the autism, calling it a genetic disorder. Of course, you know, we all know anybody with the one brain cell that's functioning in their brain knows that there's no such thing as a genetic epidemic that takes place over a 20 <laughs> to 25 year life, you know, a span of years. It's just impossible. That's not how it works. And uh, they're, they're covering up things. And I think more and more of the population is becoming, you know, aware of this. I read a statistic recently that 87% of Americans try to eat healthy. Whether they do or not, we don't know, but at least they try. They have an interest in trying to eat healthy. And um, I don't remember, something like uh, 55% or 60%, I can't remember the exact number of Americans, try to do some exercise. I guess the key word, the operative word there is try. They attempt <laughs> yeah. to do some type of exercise, whether they're successful at it on a regular basis, that may be a different point. But I think that the issue is that if people are trying to do the right thing, they're trying to exercise, they're trying to eat healthy, they do have an interest in trying to maintain good health. And anybody that has any desire to maintain good health must be aware, must be made aware, and it's their right to know that when you take a vaccine, your chances of being able to maintain good health or even reasonable health in the way the vaccines are being administered right now, 
you, you are exponentially decreasing your chances of the of your ability to maintain good health. Mm. Yeah. You know, this reminds me too, Dr. Batar, back in what, 98 or so when uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield published his observations about the iatrogenic enterocolitis following vaccination for MMR. And by the way, he never initially said anything about that the vaccine definitely caused the autism, just to remind you what was going on back then. And now they've pilloried him as uh, for all the, the wrong reasons, you know, not even anything uh, remotely resembling what would be legitimate. But he did find, interestingly enough, the measles strain specific to the vaccine into the guts that were damaged and inflamed post-MMR vaccine also then connecting to autism. Yeah, and, and remember that when we opened today's show, I said that this is not the first or second study that's been published that's actually shown the attenuated virus of the specific strain that's contained within the vaccine to actually be established as the cause of the outbreak of the disease. And when I read the article from Dr. Humphreys, and she said that researchers were shocked to see the specific strain of measles, the Schwartz strain, being the culprit in this particular case. I actually laughed at that because why are researchers shocked by this when it's not new news? It's something that, I mean, I'm not in the research field, and yet I'm painfully aware of this existence going back 20 years or more. I mean, in medical school, we were taught that uh, often you'll end up seeing the, the side effects of vaccinations. I mean, this is 20, 25 years ago now. The side effects of vaccinations is you have to be careful because the attenuated virus can cause an eruption of the exact uh, infectious process that you're trying to prevent. So if that's something that we were taught 25 years ago in medical school, that's part and parcel. Now, why is it all of a sudden, you know, against religion to talk about it? You know, it's, it's, it brings up this thing about medicine being religious, the religiosity aspect that you've talked about before, Robert. Well, clearly. I mean, they, they have a dogma. Uh, the heart of the medical dogma at this point is the, the, the sacrament being vaccination. And, you know, the fact that they say it's unquestionable, the science is settled, you hear this over and over again, tells you that it's very questionable. And if you're not questioning it, you're not using the last brain cell you may still have functioning because of the previous vaccinations you had been given. All right, Advanced Medicine continues. MedicalRewind.com, of course, RobertScottBell.com. All the links are up, including to Dr. Batar's international best-selling book. If you're new and you haven't gotten it, get it. It's phenomenal. It's called The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. It's it's really worth it. It'll save your life. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Well, the, the flu went up, then it went back down. Seeming like it's out of the news cycle. The measles, the MMR, the Disneyland story, it went up, sort of going down, but, you know, it's not gone yet because they're continuing to push this idea that we've got to mandate, we've got to eliminate exemptions, we've got to destroy freedom. The last vestige of medical freedom in America has to be overrun because of the fear of the measles, which may be, in fact, being spread by those who are vaccinated, in fact. That's kind of the heart of our discussion here with Dr. Batar. And, um, you know, we've had controversy. We're talking off the air about this. Uh, A number of healthcare professionals over the years have called us, written to us about, what do I do? The hospital says I have to get the flu shot, for instance, and the mandates. 
And I and I'm saying we, we were having a little discussion, spirited discussion about you know they're going to have to keep logically expanding the mandates to more and more adults, right? You see them going after the 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 healthcare workers and the 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 care facilities, the hospitals. How long until they go after the teachers and the administrators in public schools and then private schools? And how long till they go to the fast food and the high-end restaurants and say all of the waiters, all of the cooks, anybody dealing with the public, everybody now has to be caught up on booster shots? I think it's going to cause them to lose even more of the people that they have support of at this point. The more they realize, wait, you mean I got to get eight to ten shots with mercury? I think not. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Robert. I agree with you, but I do believe that that um in my opinion that it's the healthcare providers who have a better understanding of what the implications are behind getting all these shots. That mm-hmm. would have been the greatest opposition. That's what I would have thought. Um perhaps you're right about the educational side. I don't see that being as as big of a um obstacle as the as the healthcare profession was. And I think that in the healthcare profession, we have some, seen some people rise up. But again, the issue is people are afraid of losing their jobs, like you had mentioned to me off the air. And you're right. Mm-hmm. And I think from the public healthcare sector, uh, you know, being one extreme, but then you go into the private healthcare sector, and that's a different issue. Um, now you start talking about public education. You know, these people, I don't think they, I don't think they make enough money. There's not enough money in them for them to be really be forced into getting these vaccines. So perhaps you're right. Perhaps those people say, listen, I don't get paid enough to have you tell me how many, you know, taking 10 boosters. Perhaps you're right. Um, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I, I could, I, like, we, we realize that not everybody is as aware of the dangers, but I think a lot more people are learning about it because of the controversy blown up by the measles thing. I think, again, I predicted this, that it would backfire on those who thought everybody would go lockstep and demand it. Even though the media firestorm, it appeared everybody except a few crazy kooky parents and a, one or two doctors that they, they just yelled and screamed at, uh, would now fall in line and say, we must eliminate all exemptions. And they're not stopping the attempt to eliminate or make it harder to exempt. But even WebMD admits that in a survey they did, that there is support, a lot more support than they thought for the ability of a parent to say no on religious and or personal reasons or grounds, we're not going to vaccinate our children. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it's it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. Uh, but I do believe that it is backfiring, like you said. And I think as more and more industries are brought in, like you mentioned off the air about the next the next one perhaps being the food care industry, uh, the, the restaurant businesses, and then those people that are in employment in that industry and then you know where it goes from there well there's gonna they're gonna try to rope in more and more and uh, we'll see how it all plays out but i i think at some point there will be a not if, not sure if there's a right word revolt but there will yeah. be there will be some type of opposition that's created sure well let's check in with princess leia and see what she has to say the more you tighten your grip talk the more star systems will slip through your fingers you can always rely on Princess Leia to get us out of this jam. I, I couldn't even hear what it said. What, what, could you repeat that? For, I'm sure there were other people that probably didn't hear it either. All right, let's give a listen. Tight. Yeah, listen to what Princess Leia has to say. It has a lot to do with what's going on here. The more you tighten your grip talk, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. So the more you tighten your grip, the more star system, systems will slip through your fingers. I mean, that's the thing here. The more they squeeze on the people, 
to try and force them to accept these mandates, the more that will be squozen right out. And that's the law of reversed effort. The harder they try, the harder, the more, uh, let's say they, they obfuscate, they make opaque. If they had come forward and came clean and said, these are problems we had, they would have felt there was some level of honesty and integrity still in the system and trusted it when they, when they said something. Now more and more people just don't believe a word that's being said. Yep, and, and for good reason. I think the people know that their trust has been violated, and they, therefore more and more people are now starting to question that blind faith that they had. And I think it's about time that people start questioning it, and I think then more people, there, there are even more people that need to start questioning it that haven't started questioning it yet. Mm. But I think that, unfortunately, there are so many individuals in our nation, they're complacent, not because they're, uh, they don't have an interest in their children's well-being or their own well-being. It's because life gets in the way. They're in different industries. They don't have time to think about this. They're, you know, they're doing, paying their taxes and earning their money and taking care of the babysitters and looking forward to the weekend and, you know, getting the yard work done and blah, 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 blah. And life mm-hmm. gets in the way. And so they don't get to really look at this and see this until it hits home. And yeah. Then oftentimes it's it's too late, but uh, hopefully if we can create that awareness, and um, that's why I'm with you every Monday evening, mm. right? Yeah, well we're putting the word out, and people are digging it as they should, and then uh, helping others to dig it too. Welcome everybody, all our new listeners to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Every Monday we start off with Doctor Batar. We do advanced medicine. Hey, do you remember this back from uh, 1999 or so? Uh, Merck made a hit list. The pharmaceutical company Merck made a hit list to destroy neutralize or discredit dissenting doctors. Merck made a hit list of doctors who criticized Vioxx, according to testimony in a Vioxx class action case in Australia. And, you know, when you were attacked, it was like, where was this all coming from? There wasn't even a legitimate person that was harmed in any way. And we've seen this so many times with doctors who were attacked by the medical boards, anonymous complaints. They're completely trumped up, and it could lead back to something like this, a Merck-created hit list. Well, according to Tim Boland, and you know who Tim Boland is, right? Yeah, BolandReport.com, our good friend. He's been right. uh, a health freedom warrior for years. Right. According to Tim Boland, about 10 years ago, um, Tim told me about this list, and he laughed about it, and he said that he would he knew where that, uh, and I don't know whether it was a Merck list or whether it was, it was some list, but it was a pharmaceutical companies had identified the 12 doctors that they wanted to discredit at all costs. And he laughed about it when he told me about this. And I said, what's so funny? He said, because you're the youngest one on that list and you're like number six or number seven. <laughs> and, and I remember immediately when he said that, having a intense sense of pride. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so, when, if you're if you're not getting flack, you're not over the target. And clearly, you were hitting the target big time. And of course, for those of you who are new to the show or new to Doctor Batar, again, we're growing every week here. Uh, Doctor Batar initially became interested in so many of the things that he's become expert in and that we talk about because his own son was harmed by a vaccine into the what has been called the autism spectrum. And rather than accepting a dire prognosis and no recovery. You said, uh-uh, not happening. This is my son, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And what you found was so shocking for the pharmaceutical uh, uh, executives, much less the entire paradigm, that they had to target you back. Well, Robert, let's also keep, you know, I know this is semantics, but 
I don't mm-hmm. like that word expert, so I don't like to. In fact, I hesitated to use it for that reason. Believe me, it wasn't yeah. the word I wanted to use. Well, you know what I said about it in the first chapter of the book. So, oh, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I I think that we have a lot to learn still, and I always get a little worried when somebody says, "Well, you're the world's expert in such and such," because I think, <laughs> well, if I'm the world's expert and I don't know jack about it, and I'm still trying to figure it out, that's <laughs> yeah, that's scary. big trouble. Big trouble. But yeah, I mean, let's just say you've immersed yourself in a topic and you've you've learned a lot. And again, why, another reason why we get along so well is because as smart as I perceive you to be, your smarts also resonate because you don't hang your hat and say, it's done, it's over, I've got nothing left to learn. Well, if that ever happens, in my, in my belief system, when we hang our hat up and say that there's nothing left to learn, that's the time the creator says, okay, time to come back home and life ends. And uh, I I see a lot more learning to do and a lot more uh, information to, to gather to figure this out. But I also know that many of the lessons that we need to uh, adhere to, the lessons that we need to open our eyes and ears and heart to, they are universally registered regardless of religion, creed, language, you know, geographical boundaries. They appeal to our raw cognitive ability, our own intellect will, will you know, resonate. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to come up with a more mm-hmm. educated way of talking about the BS meter, because I think last <laughs> week or two weeks ago, we, we yes. actually said what the BS will. I'm trying to you be a little said more it, not me. That. Every week, we got to have, get ready with the button, Matt. Dr. Batar's right. on, you never know when he spells it out. I try, I try not to. I try to refrain, but I, regardless, yeah. you know, it, we all have that meter, and we all know what, what's true and what's not true. It, it resonates with us. Truth resonates with us, and I think that more and more when we search for the truth and, and our heart is open, regardless of where that truth leads us. I, I think the problem is that a lot of people, they want the truth, but they only want the truth if it's going down the path that mm-hmm. is least resistance. But as soon as they encounter resistance, as, long, you know, as, as soon as they see that their supervisor is going to tell them to shut up, don't talk about this, or it's going to cause a rift in their family, or whatever the case may be, as soon as that path shows some resistance, people then want to move back, and they want to stick their head in the sand, and more and more people are now starting to realize, and, and, and for good reason, hey, this is my child, I don't care what the resistance is, I'm going to move into it, and that's what you're about, that's what I'm about, that's what many of our listeners are about, that's what um, I think the planet as a whole is, you know, drifting towards now, it's starting to pick up speed, and um, that's the universal consciousness that we've talked about many times. Yeah. Well, you know, I've told my wife if I ever hang my hat and say there's nothing more to learn, you have permission to slap me upside the head and wake me up. So uh, <laughs> not, not that I'm into violence, but I think at that point I deserve it, right? And so many people out there deserve it, even though I'm not arguing for violence. But the things that they're doing out of fear, out of ignorance, out of arrogance, uh, perhaps deserves uh, some level of a wake-up call, perhaps a, an ice bucket on their head or a bucket of ice or something. Dr. Batar, you're only here with me once a week. It's not enough, but we do whatever we can. And you have ways that people can learn more about you. I always encourage people to get your books, and there's lots of videos and things. But let everybody know where they can learn more. Well, there there are a number of different sites that are uh, available to people for resources, but we've got them all uh, in one location so people can pick and choose whatever information they need, and that would be at medicalrewind.com. We got to do a lot more healing every day. There's not enough time, even though we're doing it every day. And Dr. Batar, I'm grateful that you're with me every week. Robert, I'm grateful to be on the radio with you every week. Just here to remind you that the power to heal is yours.
The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.